stand with me and turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Guys, if we'll have all three of these uh, uh, different verses on the screen today. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and if you want to put your finger there and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. How many fingers y'all got? How many places can we go? 1 Timothy 6, 2 Thessalonians 2, and Hebrews 3. 1 Timothy 6, 2 Thessalonians 2, Hebrews 3. If you're there, say amen. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. But thou, man of God, or woman of God, child of God, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Well, I thought we have eternal life. You do. But there's the working out. There's the laying hold and making it applicable for you to enter into it now in this life. Whereunto you were also called and you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold onto eternal life. 2 Thessalonians 2, 14 and 15. Whereunto God called you by our gospel to obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, these are believers, not unbelievers. Stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught in the word of God and through Paul's epistles, which also were the word of God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if, say that with me, if, we hold the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Well, I thought we are God's house. We are. If, if we continue, if we continue in his word, it's not the continuing that makes you the house. The continuing is the evidence that you're the house. If we hold the confidence of our faith steadfast unto the end, it's not holding the faith that saves us. It's the evidence of the saving grace abiding in our chest. If we hold. Let me read this to you and I'll ask you to be seated this morning. This is by Oswald Chambers. The discipline of spiritual perseverance. Perseverance is more than endurance. It is endurance combined with absolute assurance and certainty that what you were looking for is going to happen. Perseverance means more than just hanging on. Which may be only exposing our fear of letting go and falling. Perseverance, perseverance is our supreme effort of refusing to believe that our hero is going to be conquered. Our greatest fear is not that we will be damned, but somehow Jesus Christ will be defeated. I want to speak to you this morning, and I didn't know who would be here, but God did, on the tenacity of the believer, the power of being tenacious, what it means for you to have it, what you can expect if you have it, and how no devil in hell can stand against a spirit-filled, tenacious believer. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Lord, I just present myself to you this morning as I am, flawed, uh, an unprofitable servant at best, but you have chosen to, the foolish things of this world, Lord, uh, to confound the wise. And I know that you called me to share your word, and I just offer myself in simplicity today. Let me, O oh Lord, speak with a clarity and a straightforwardness and a boldness that, that opens our eyes, 
continuing that theme, Lord, the eyes to your word so that we might see your word clearly and see ourselves clearly and see our capacity clearly and see our potential and the promises clearly. Let it happen today by the anointing of your Holy Spirit and we give you 100% of all the credit for anything that's been done in our history, what will be done today and what will be done tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Tenacity has kind of a negative connotation today in, in, in the West that sounds like somebody that's close-minded or, uh, you know, that you can't tell them no. Well, yes, but in a, in, in a, in a positive way. I'll tell you what tenacity is according to our dictionary. Holding or tending to hold something persistently. Holding something or someone or a point of view. Not easily discouraged, persevering, tireless, optimistic, optimistic, like an ant pulling its weight, pulling a hundred times its weight. Not letting go, retentive, grasping, possessive, unyielding, maintaining. It's more a matter of choice than it is individuality or personality. It is the fruit of our will, not the fruit of the Spirit. It is birthed by revelation, not inspiration. It's not empowered by uh, being inspired. It's birthed by seeing God and seeing God's Word and what's available to us and what's waiting for us. That revelation allows us to be tenacious in our faith. It is not often recognized because it's disguised in work clothes. Now, I need to say this because the rest of the message can be taken out of context and be applied or misapplied and cause disheartening for some of us. Being tenacious does not mean that there are not seasons that change. It does not mean that chapters do not close. I'm speaking of a general mindset that says once I know the revealed will of God, I'm biting into it. I'm holding on to it. You will not persuade me against it with, co- with clever uh, mental or, or cultural ideas or ideologies. I know the truth. I know him and he has set me free. I know who I am and I can't be talked out of that. I know who God is and I can't be talked out of that. I know where I'm going and I can't be talked out of that. Seasons change. Chapters change. But the believer, just like God, remains. We re- remain steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Number two, tenacity in the life of the believer, getting into the meat of the message here, is personal. See, we, we love to hide behind that phrase, and you might use different words depending on IQ and vocabulary. You know, I'm not wired that way. Uh, that's not me. Tenacity is not about being hardwired. It's about seeing something so clearly That you make choices to be in that, to obtain that, to follow through with that. Because see, if if I wasn't wired that way, I'm excused. Tenacity is a choice. It's like the snail. It was through tenacity that the snail reached the ark. (laughs) Noah's like, where is everybody? I'm coming, I'm coming. Tenacious believers are faithful. 
It's what keeps marriages and homes and relationships, business dealings and covenants together. They are faithful because they know who is watching. We are tenacious in our dealings with people. We are tenacious with our dealings in home and in business and keeping our word because we know who is watching. Our tenacity comes from understanding that we're going to give an account for the deeds done in our body. For every idle word will we give an account. So see, that tenacity is birthed by revelation. We must all appear before the judgment seat of God to give an account for the deeds, the things done, the things undone. Tenacious believers are relentless because they know that they will reap if they don't quit. That, that scripture there has propelled your pastor more, uh, more than many over the years of ministry, which is your efforts to fulfill the will of God that he reveals to your life. The only thing that can stop you is if you quit. Oh, wait a minute, brother. Would sin can stop you? Well, that's you quitting being righteous. That's you quitting being... Unless you stop. Unless you sit down, turn back, or depart. You overcome because of Christ in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That life essence in you. This is what overcomes the world. Your faith in God. Your belief system. Your firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And the only thing that can overcome you is your quitting. You will reap if you don't quit. You will arrive if you don't quit. Now, I don't know who this is for this morning, but you'll come out if you don't quit walking. No matter how dark the storm is, just keep walking. You will eventually come out. No matter how steep the hill is, keep climbing. You will reach the top if you do not quit. The race does not go to the swift. It does not go to the wise. It goes to the persistent, tenacious believer that said, I started this journey with Jesus and I will not quit until I make it home. Nothing can stop you. No demon, no loss, no discouragement, no personal failure. Your pastor has experienced all of them. And I stand today not by character, not by goodness. I stand because of the revelation that I am kept by the power of God through faith. And it overcomes it all. Tenacious believers are prayerful because they know who listens to them. I love that uh, uh, song we sing, I will call upon the Lord, because the devil will orchestrate. The Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices. He'll send people to you. He'll take people away from you. There'll be disappointment, cumulative discouragement, cumulative opposition, and he just waits to see what you're going to do. Those of you that enjoy football, you understand that defenses make adjustments based on what is happening. Offenses make adjustments when they see what the defense is doing. And the devil waits to see what you're going to do. And instead of reeling or pacing or manipulating or maneuvering, you said, I will call upon the Lord. He goes, oh no. <laughs> How do you defend against a believer who is invoking the name of Jesus, grabbing the ear of God, ushering in the promises of God? There's nothing he can do. I will call upon the Lord. I don't need to tell you all my troubles. I will call upon the Lord. Tenaciously. Well, nothing's changing. Go back again. 
It's what Elijah told his servant. He was praying for rain. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. And God told him, go show yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain upon the earth. So he had God's word on it. So he showed himself to Ahab. Ahab goes, are you, there you are, the troubler of Israel. He said, I'm not the trouble of Israel. You are. You're a crooked king and God's wrath has fell upon this place. Nevertheless, God is going to send rain. So see, some believers think that once you get God's word on something, you don't have to pray. Now, we don't pray to make it happen. See, prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes us. And in that prayer, he's working out, carving out new depths. He's got God's word. He's got God's promise. He's done his obedience. He goes before the king, tells him he's going to reign, and he goes to the mountain to pray. And it's just, you know, like that, the hurricane uh, Michael took out that heat front or hot air front that sat over us for about two months and slung it out into the ocean. Thank you, Jesus. And now it's changed. And for a while, you just go out, you go, ain't no rain today. Ain't no rain today. And he told his servant, go look. And he'd run to the top of the hill and he goes, there's nothing. He said, go again. Hmm. Goes again. Comes back. He goes, hey, prophet, there's nothing. Go again. So every time he's running, he's going back, kneeling, putting his head between his legs, praying, humbling himself. Fourth time, fifth time, comes back the sixth time, dragging a little bit, irritated. I bet he, if, if he's like some of us, he's like, he tells me to go again. I'm going to say, what makes you so great? You don't, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell the prophet. And then he, realized, he remembers how Elisha called bears out of the woods and ate children and all that. And he just said, I ain't going to say nothing to him. I ain't going to say nothing. So he goes, it's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. Read the Old Testament. I don't care what Andy Stanley says. Read the Old Testament. Uh, just throw that out there for free. Uh, so he comes back the sixth time and he goes, hey, prophet, there's nothing. He said, go again. He goes, the seventh time. All he knows is that all I need to do is remain prayerfully postured until the promise shows up. That's all I gotta do. He didn't ask him to do the hard part. He asked him to do the easy part. He said, Father, you said, Yahweh, you said, you said. He comes back and he said, in essence, he was asking him, please don't send me again, you know. He said, I'm sorry, I just, I just there's one cloud, size of a man's hand. He didn't say if you put your hand here, it'll block it out. He said, way out there. I think he was reaching. I think he was reaching just something, Lord. Can I in good conscience tell him that's a cloud? It looked like a wisp of vapor. And he comes back. There's one cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elisha yells out a shout of faith, pulls up his tunic and runs down the hill. He said, don't let the rains catch you. And he outruns horses down the hill. Why? Because the prayerful person understands that if I don't quit, heaven will open. God does not invite you to prayer, swear to answer, and then not show up. God doesn't give false hope. Don't get lost in the six trips of nothing. That's the reality. You're going to pray and it seems like God is not only not there, no one's there. No change on the horizon. No help. No hope. And the person standing with you is getting tired. And he comes back. He said, prophet, there's just one. That's, that's it. 
tenacious people understand that the cloud will come. The skies will grow black. Rain will fall because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he spoke it? If he did, it will surely come to pass. Tenacious people are powerful because they know who's inside of them. And by powerful, I don't mean not only supernatural power, but they're, they're not afraid. See, you can be concerned and not be afraid. Fearful people run. Fearful people avoid. People that understand that God is with them. God is in them. God is behind them. And God is ahead of them. God is for them. Has sworn to protect them. Has promised to provide for them. You can really narrow down our biggest problems to simple places of unbelief. If you believed God was with you every moment of every day, what would you ever be afraid of? Our problem is our perspective. We see our problems more clearly than we see the resident God in our life. Tenacious people are powerful. They understand who's behind them, backing them up, who's in front of them. Uh, when I was real little, and don't you laugh, I put the camera on these people, they laugh at me. I was real small when I was little. I was the smallest guy in my grade every year but one up to the eighth grade, guy or girl. True. And uh, I was very athletic, but I wasn't big. Now, my brother Jim was not big, but Jim's the kind of guy that you'd, uh, you just wouldn't fight him if you had a pipe. You just, you know, there's guys that never go to the health club, but that could hold up your car while you change the tire. You know, let me get there for you, <clears throat> like that. And, uh, my power did not come from me. It came from who was for me. And a boy named Greg one day decided to jump on me after the bus stop. He was about twice my size, one and a half times my size. And I tried, but, you know, I was two foot nothing. And see, this head is a large head. I was, growing up, I was very scarred. You know, those hats, one size fit all. No, it didn't fit. And the little things would stick out in the back. It didn't fit. So I was like a catfish. You know, if I weighed 60 pounds, you cut my head off. I weighed 25 pounds. Uh, I was just little. <laughs> I was little. And so he jumped on me and I, I hit him a couple times, but he did a number on me and I got home and um, Jim said, what happened to you? And I said, oh, you know, Greg, and I won't call his last name in case he's watching online. <laughs> He's probably laid on a therapist's chair and told this story before. And uh, I told him what happened. He said, let's go. Never raised his voice. Never got mad. Let's go. I'm like, where are we going? He just, it didn't take me long to realize we're going to Greg's house. <laughs> this is truth. And see, the Lord will teach you through your history, through your present, through his word. And when you grasp concepts, see, I was protected based upon Jim's limited strength and desire to protect me. God has no limitations. So we get to Greg's house, Jim. He said, you just stay out here, which meant I get to watch. <laughs> he opened the door, he goes, yeah? He goes, Did you beat up my little brother? Well, what happened? One hand, he took him by his shirt and off the porch. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so, so good. Off the porch. And he walked over to him, 
One. And when he went down, he sat on his shoulders and he beat the brakes off that boy. And I'm thinking, don't kill him. Don't, no insurance. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. Left him in the yard. Jim said, let's go home. So we're going home. I got to tell you what I did. I didn't want to add to, but I wanted to make eye contact. So we're walking up, and he's just coming back to consciousness. I'm like, just, just, just looked at him like, he goes with me. What would your life look like if you understood that the Lord was for you? And your boss and your company cheats you, and God says, that's all right. I got it. They say this, and he said, that's all right. My word stands. You see, if they attack, he says, don't, don't avenge yourself. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll get him. I'll pull him off the porch and get him. Now, did that mean that I wasn't deserving of a whipping? Maybe not from this guy, but probably 50 others. The issue is not our perfection. The issue is God's faithfulness. And your power comes from you knowing not who you are, but who you are to him, to God. The danger of the dark years for me when I went through that long, difficult decade is that I almost lost that, that I was God's boy. I almost lost it. That would have stripped my preaching. It would have stripped away my joy. It would have took my song. It would have took my confidence. It would have, but, if, but if I'm God's boy. I told the Lord, I said, I don't feel like you're, I'm your boy anymore. I don't, I don't feel like, because I always felt I was his favorite. I mean, he loved y'all, but, you know, I did. I felt like I was his favorite. And we are. Tenacious people understand that the only way I can lose, not only just quit, is if I don't take my battles to him. All I got to do is let him know. He'll decide when they need a whipping or not. Vengeance is the Lord. Leave, leave it alone. Tenacious believers are fruitful. Taking from every season. Connected to the, to the next. Not resisting pruning. Y'all know what pruning is, don't you? What do you do to the flower when it comes up? Come on. We cut it back. The grapes. So in the life of the believer, what does it look like? The beautiful things in your life. And God says, and we'll get rid of that. A little of abundance. Oh. Oh, has this been the easy season? That was a beautiful flower. And you're sitting there. You know, I told you about my series that I almost wrote. It was 20 years ago about pruning. And I, I, I had it titled, Sap Squirting Stumps. But I didn't think that would draw a big crowd, so I changed it to the fruitfulness of the believer or something. You know, so so uh, tenacious people understand that God never takes away beauty without planning something more beautiful to replace it. He never takes away joy without planning abundant joy. The pruning of the believer, he tells us, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the husbandman. And he, pr he pruneth everyone that beareth fruit so that they can bear more fruit. And okay, here's the promise. How can I keep going when there's nothing beautiful in my life? When nothing is working, there's no color, there's nothing. The promise that when the Lord prunes, he does it so that we can be 
more fruitful. I'm not making this up. It's in your word. So I understand that whatever loss is given back. I can be tenacious because I know that winter will not last forever. And this place that is scarred now will one day bloom like the desert. Every, every person believing in the faithfulness of God. I can tell right now if the Lord tarries, we're going to have a part two next week. Is that okay? I don't want, I don't want to hurry. Tenacious people are dependable. And those who count on them have learned to do so. They don't make excuses. They don't look for outs. They don't practice partial fulfillment or responsibilities. The Bible says an undependable person is like walking with a broken ankle, a foot out of joint. But tenacious people make sure that they keep their word to their own hurt. Why would you include that in the sermon? Because we as Christians ought to be the most dependable people. Not the, not the most gifted it doesn't mean we're the most intelligent. It doesn't mean we have to be the best. But when you tell somebody, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to help here. It takes tenacity to keep commitments to your own harm. That's a sermon in itself. When you honor your creditor to your own harm. When you keep your word and follow through. Why is it important? Pastor John, you talk a lot about keeping your word. Why is it important? Because that's the foundational revelation of who God is. He keeps his word to a thousand generations. How can I say that I name his name, follow his son, and am not similar in that area? Keep your word. Keep your promises to your wife and your husband. Keep your promises to your babies. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means we're tenacious. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that doesn't mean that chapters don't close and seasons don't. But we fulfill our part. You can't make someone love you. You can't make someone stay. You can't make a company do right by you. But as far as your end, as far as your end, keep your word. Keep your word. It was the first thing I taught my girls. The first thing. Because I could do it simply. I'd say, Daddy told you he'd get this. And Daddy what? And I would tell him, always keeps his word. Always. Because I want when they come up into their faith and they hear about Father God, they go, I got it. As much as possible, Daddy keeps his word. But Daddy sometimes could have a flat tire or Daddy might have to stay at work. But God is unlimited. When they grasp that, do you understand that sets them on a trajectory of fruitfulness and effectiveness? That God will always keep his word. Always, without fail, the promises he gave to you, they are sworn promises. Heaven backs it. His throne backs it. I am secure today because of God's faithfulness. And when he comes, what's written on him? The what? The word of God. The word. We are weak not because our problem is great. It's because we don't know the word. We don't know his faithfulness. We don't understand. When, when you can look at your situation and say, I don't know how in the world this is going to work out. I don't have the variables. I don't have the momentum. None of this is there. But that ain't up to me. All I'm leaning upon is the scripture where God says that he would provide for me. He told me to consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. But Solomon in all his splendor never dressed like one of them. He said, watch the birds. 
They don't store up. They just look and gather. And God always feeds them. Shall not your heavenly father do much more for you? You're worth much more than this, with, with, with these birds. Not one, not one falls to the ground without your father knowing it. You are worth so much more. When you grasp the fact that he cannot lie, not that he won't lie, cannot, it changes everything. Now, back to where we live. It takes tenacity to hold on for your child that's wayward for 40 years. It takes tenacity to believe that there will be provision for something the Lord told you that he would allow for your babies to go to school and nothing's on the horizon. It takes tenacity when you're praying for the Lord to change your husband's heart or your wife's heart and you don't see change. It takes tenacity to know that if you've prayed in the will of God, if we pray, ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know, not think, hope, Long for, we know that we have the petitions we've desired of him. We are. Tenacious believers are powerful because of their faith. They're dependable. Tenacious believers are no stranger, listen, to fear or loss or discouragement, opposition or weariness. Tenacity does not exclude you from those things. I told you before about the spider. God, and when he created the spider, he, he deposited within them uh, an oil. Anything that goes in a spider's web gets hung. And right now, anybody else live in the country beside us? Everywhere. I don't mean little spider webs like this. I mean drive your gator through it and it wrap around you and the gator, saran wrap. You have to go shower. You can't just pull it off. They're just spiders everywhere. And you'll see big bugs, little bugs, ants, flies, uh, roach. You'll see everything in that. I'm like, that web is serious. And they come near it, and the spider goes. Doo -doo 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 -doo. He just, just running around like, look at that joker go. A fly hits it. <coughs> How's it so? Well, God knew, God knew in his omniscience, knowing everything, that he would have to equip that insect or arachnid I think my science right that spider he'd have to equip the spider with something that the other bugs didn't have he knew the environment the spider would live in would kill other people kill other things so he gave it an oil that excretes out of the end you can't hardly see it through a microscope at the end of its legs that allows him to glide through what other things get hung up in and so God sees this world, this hostile world, this opposing world, this anti-Christian world. And he said, you're going to need something. I'm going to give you the oil of the Holy Spirit. And it is going to give you the capacity and the lubrication to navigate narrow places, tight places, uh, dark places, confusing places. And you'll be able to speedily glide through what other people die in. What a grace. Anybody else? What a God. What an, have you ever said this statement? I don't know how they do it without the Lord. I don't know how they bury their children without the Lord. I don't know how they make it without the Lord. How do you watch the news today without the Lord? Just the news. I'm just Cartoon Network now. That's about all I can. But don't, don't, don't take the cop out and look at the tenacious believer and think that we don't feel it and that we don't see it. And that we don't have concerns and we're not opposed and we don't have down days. We do. We just understand that God has put within us all we need to finish. 
And if you have the tight place, he supplies the oil. If our musician would come, please, this morning. Tenacious believers are not given more. They seize more. Some of us have spent our whole Christian life excusing us from what other people have, saying, well, the Lord didn't give me that. He gave you Christ. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you Christ. The tenacious believer that you see overcoming, finishing, being fruitful, being powerful, you cannot hide behind the excuse God gave them more because that's not truthful. God did not give them more. They seized more. Would our pianist come please this morning? They take more. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Well, they just, God's equipped them that way. No. They choose to be that way. Y'all stay with me. They choose. What would happen if you develop the mindset that I'm going to continue until God releases me? Then every battle would end with victory. Every test would end with success. Every pruning would end in beauty. Every death would end in life. You see, if you continue. See, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and violent people take it by force. Thank God for the mamas. You ain't seen them in their prayer closet. Thank God for the mamas and daddies that come in and go, good morning, Lord. I bring before you my baby again and I stand unmovable, unshakable. I know they dress like hell. I know they live like hell. I know they defame your name and they disdain you. But I stand in your presence reminding you of the day I committed that baby to you. And you said you would keep what I've committed to you until that day. And that power just flows from them. They go back out. The kid's the same. So God has a problem. They're free moral agents. They do what they want to. Yeah, but they're praying in the will of God. So God has a problem except that God doesn't have problems. So what does he do? Well, he makes their life such a hell they want to get saved. <laughs> and they come to God and they're born again. And they don't realize that mama financed it or daddy financed it through their tenacity. You have the ability. Are you willing to pay the cost of being tenacious? grab it hold on for years I bred boxer bulldogs they're the greatest dogs they're just the greatest and one of their cousins the original bulldog you know we always laugh at their underbite and how their mouth is but see God designed them that way it wasn't that they sucked their paw and messed up their mouth God designed them that way I don't know where that come from when a bulldog bites you a pit bull he is designed in such a way that he can breathe without letting go. A collie bites you, he can hold you for a little bit and go, <sighs> I'm just running out of breath. Give me just a minute. German Shepherd, but that bulldog said, he got that other one's neck and he goes, I can go all day, baby. I can go all day. I can go all day. God has designed you to hold on to his promise and breathe and hold it. I feel faith in this place. Your problem is not your problem.
tenacity is the answer. For, now it has to be in Christ. It has to be based on Christ, the source of Christ, and in His name and for His glory. But you can do this. Tenacious believers are rich. Many spoils come from many battles won. You don't get to be old and rich in the Lord without scars. Tenacious people are rich. They have people all around them who said, you were my Sunday school teacher. You were my pastor. You let me, you were the man figure in my life. You were the mama figure. It was your resources that reached us in this foreign land. You were the one, you were the one. And we are rich. The spoils surround, not the gifted, but the tenacious. Tenacious believers generally have longevity. I have watched, and I don't say this with any form of joy or arrogance. And those of you that have been in the faith a long time, you can say the same. I've watched people that stood with me and beside me, worshiping the Lord, just fall off the Christian mountain, gone. And love the Lord. I had one tell me the other day, he said, don't you ever mention his name around me again. I'm just, whoa. Tenacious believers have a longevity about them because it's hard to die while you have purpose. It's hard to die while you're working. It's hard to die while you're active. And the tenacity, it's personal, it's private, but it's also public. And I know y'all can match me story for story, but I'm trying now to pull on your emotion. Baby, I've come too far to quit. Are you kidding me? On the last lap, you're going to talk to me about quitting? I can see the lights of heaven. I can hear the music in the distance. I have fought. I am blessed beyond measure more than I ever deserved. But it's a good, it's a fight. It's a good fight, but it's a fight. And if you don't quit, you will stand before the Son of God in your glorified body and reap the rewards of your efforts. If you don't quit, hold fast to the things that God has taught you in his word and the epistles. Hold fast to the profession of your faith that you made in front of many witnesses. And having done all, stand. And if the devil has took a shot at you and knocked you down, stand up, wipe the blood off your mouth and say, I am still here. Because he that's in me is greater than anything else that can happen to me. You are more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I've got a quick video to show you. And then uh, I'm going to pray over you. But Father, open our eyes to let this short video sum up what I was trying to say today. With all of heaven watching. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you can turn all the lights down for me too. to stand on the victory platform, the winners of the gold, silver, and bronze Olympic medals. But for some, the reward is a personal one. 
the knowledge that they finished what they set out to do. A little over an hour after the winner of the marathon crossed the finish line, John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania approaches the stadium, the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on. Afterwards, it was written, Today we have seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit. A performance that gives true dignity to sport. A performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games. A performance that gives meaning to the word courage. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Aquari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. The light in this Tanzanian runner is a beacon to us all. Technical difficulty, but you get the idea. Amen? Lee, if you please. Y'all stand with me this morning. Y'all stand with me this morning. Give me 60 seconds and I want to pray with you. The Bible speaks of not forgetting the great cloud of witnesses. And I refer to it often with you. The, the bleachers of heaven. And God did not send his son for us to start this race with him. But to finish. You have everything you need to finish with grace and with power and with glory no critical spirit no besetting sin you have the ability but it's going to take tenacity the Bible said it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises so run run the race that's set before you fight the good fight finish the course keep the faith and there will be a crown of righteousness laid up for you. But not only you, but all that love the appearing of God. Run, baby. Even, even if everybody else finishes ahead of you, run. Let's pray. So, Father, we just stand before you, uh, weak in ourselves, but strong in you. Lord, I don't have faith in my faith, but my faith is in you, O oh Lord. And I thank you for your saving grace that saved us to the uttermost. And may we perceive and grasp your keeping grace. Your keeping grace. And also, Lord, pan back with our spiritual eyes and see your abundant grace, your conquering grace. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us, you will condemn us because we are in you, in Christ, hidden 
before the foundation of the earth. May this message, your word, Lord, spark a new hope that will not soon be extinguished. In the name of your Son and Savior, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.